Uh, g'day, uh, my name's Adam Draycott and you're watching the online ministry from Inverell Anglican Church. Uh, this has been prepared for the 28th of May 2023. Our sentence of scripture comes from Romans chapter 5 verse 5. God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit which has been given to us. How generous is our great God. Let's return praise to him with uh, words of song. Peace. 
Let's pray. We pray, God our Father, let the Spirit you sent to your church to begin the teaching of the gospel continue to work in the world through the hearts of all who believe. We ask this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Our Bible readings today, uh, our Gospel reading comes from Mark, it's in two parts. Mark chapter 8, verses 34 to 38. And then please flick over to Mark chapter 10, verses 42 to 45. Please also read Psalm 37 verses 3 to 9 and Philippians chapter 2 verses 1 to 11. Uh, this is talk number four in our Purpose and Values series. Uh, next week, uh, Matt will take on discipleship as a topic and then outreach uh, the week after. These are the things that we aspire to to value as a church. Uh, I've written a blurb in the bulletin for uh, our local church family which outlines where we've been and the rationale behind where we are heading in regards to our core values. Uh, so uh, please read that church family. Uh, so again, do you remember the purpose statement? What is the purpose statement? Growing in Christ is the answer. Uh, what's our first core value? Uh, we're committed to biblical teaching here at Inverell Anglican. What is our second core value? Prayer. We're committed to prayer as well. Today, we're focusing on proposed core value number three, godly service. So let me pray. Father God, Please uh, speak to our hearts and minds as we open up your word. Teach us, guide us, grow us in Christ Jesus that you would be glorified, particularly in the area of serving. We ask for your help again in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, growing up, hanging uh, in our lounge room is a picture near the front door. It's a landscape picture. Uh, blue sky, maybe a mountain. Uh, I, I remember the caption. Uh, there was a Bible verse at the bottom that read, As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. I asked my sisters during the week if they remembered it. Nah. <laughs> so I called my mum. She's 88, so I was thinking it was a long shot, but of course, no, mum, sharp as a tack, remembers and still has the picture hanging in her bedroom. Uh, where did the caption come from? Those words come from the Bible. Uh, Joshua 24, verse 15. But it begs the question, what does serving the Lord look like? That's our topic. What is godly service? Now please take a moment to share with those nearby and answer that question, what is godly service?
Now, did somebody say godly service is service that is godly? That, that's the kind of answer that my wife would give. Um, but then I might ask, well, how do we work out the godly bit? I mean, it's right, but what about the godly bit? And again, I asked my wife, Tanya, and she said, Jesus. And I go, yeah, well, I, we can work with that. That sounds great. But here's the next question then. What great acts of service did Jesus do? Again, pause, share it with a person nearby. Now, there's lots of answers, I'm sure. Rattle them all off. Okay, so here's the next question then. As you've thought about that, what is the earliest act of service Jesus did? Go, share, have a think. What is the earliest act of service Jesus did? I'm willing to bet someone said, oh, turn water into wine, maybe? Well, I reckon we can do better than that. The answer, I think, is in Philippians chapter 2, where we're invited. I hope you have your Bible open right now. Core value number one, remember? Uh, Philippians chapter 2, we're invited to consider Jesus. Verse 6, can you see it? Who, being in very nature God, so Jesus is God, didn't consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, something to be grasped like those people in the garden. No, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. See verse 7? He made himself nothing. When? When he took on the nature of a servant, when he became uh, made in human likeness. God didn't condescend to become anything other than a human. Think of all the other options. Of all the options in creation, God became man. As we think about godly service, remember the creator God became the created. The all-powerful, all-present, all-knowing God subjected himself to limits and human constraints. God put himself in a straitjacket, if you like, and made himself vulnerable and breakable and finite, incarnate, a fetus, an embryo that would swim in amniotic fluid. God did that. The creator God, who would pass through Mary's birth canal, have his cord cut. It's like calamari. He would cry and suckle and poo meconium. Such is God's love. God did that. God served you first, do you see it, in an incredible way. He served you first and made himself nothing. That's Philippians 2. Now talk to me about godly service. Do you see it? It's incredible. 
think again about all the attributes of God? Is humility one of them? Love. Service. He literally made himself nothing. Are we resistant to doing what we think is the hard stuff? Are we? Are you resistant to serving and doing what you think is too hard or beneath you? God made himself nothing. And he died. That's verse 8. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Not only death, death on a cross. Jesus' ultimate service was to condescend, become man, but also to submit to death for us. And so likewise, we're called to humbly serve others. Paul, the Apostle Paul, applies all of this. He's already doing it in verse 3 before he gets to this song of Jesus. And so verse 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. See, people are too often all about their own agenda. Even professing Christians, well-intentioned ones, push their own barrow. Always talking and pushing their own special thing. How do we combat what Paul calls such vain conceit. Have the same mindset as Jesus. It's the gospel. It's being other person-centred and counting others more significant than ourselves. See, Paul knows everyone looks to their own interests. He knows that. Paul is saying that same level of concern that you hold for yourself, go and match it with uh, that same concern for others. Is that rare? Is it a supreme reality in the life of Jesus? Yeah, absolutely. And so as we read this, here is our prayer. Remember, core value number two, prayer. We could pray, Father, help us to be of one mind about this, united by love and humility and looking out for the interests of others. We could pray, as we grow in Christ, Father, help us to have his mindset, of it, the, the mindset of our Lord, a gospel mindset that is humble and other person-centred. We could pray that. Amen. Uh, I was at the hospital uh, visiting dear friend Belinda Brinston. And maybe you know Belinda. 
She's an absolute legend. And uh, she asked about Sunday's sermon, what was coming. So I got to share some of what we've already talked about because it's incredible, right? The incarnation, wow. Look what God did. And Belinda gets it. She hears it. And she goes, huh, this is why Jesus can tell his disciples Anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and servant of all. And I'm like, well, that's Mark 9.35. That's Mark chapter 10, verse 44. She's right. Jesus can say something incredible and outrageous like that because that is what he did. It's what God did. The irony as we think about serving is that some people do serve because they want to be first. For some, acts of service and leadership is so caught up in their identity that if it is threatened, it soon goes toxic. And I want to say to you, that's sub-Christian. When we serve, whose interests are we serving? When we lead, whose interests are we serving? It's a reminder. Serving, leading, it's, it's not about me. I wondered again about that picture in the Draycott lounge room growing up and wondered, I had to think about how the dray, us Draycots lived it out. As for this household, we will serve the Lord. And, and Dad would say that. We, we, we serve the Lord. I remember all seven of us. Yeah, that's right. Seven. Four sisters. Me, Mum and Dad, right? All seven of us would walk up Luxford Road to All Saints Tregear and turn up and we turn up to everything. It's a given. Family turn up for family. Mum and Dad uh, modelled that for us. They were a very active part of the body. There were lots and lots of opportunities to value others above ourselves. And of course, St Augustine's here at Inverell Anglican, it's, we're no different. And wherever you are, it's no different too. Here's the bit in the talk, of course, where I say thank you to those who serve on church rosters for the good of our church family and for the advance of the gospel. Um, there are so many that go above and beyond and do the hard stuff. Um, so thank you for being a blessing. Uh, this week I watched an 84-year-old warden climb a ladder. Getting in serving, getting his hands dirty. This bloke, he, he's a beautiful man. He doesn't complain. He's kind and gracious and patient and peace-loving. And he is a reluctant serv servant. He's so capable. But he's reluctant. Part of his reluctance is he's 84, of course. He's 
He'd happily hand over the mantle, but he values ministry. And uh, no one else is putting their hand up. Of course, it would be ungodly to think it's great others make themselves nothing because it means I don't have to. That would be ungodly because when we think of the reasons we don't have time or we have other priorities or we think we've had our turn and we self-justify like that. Jesus never did though, did he? And we'd have his mindset. We have lots of gaps at Inverell Anglican and again, maybe uh, your church family is the same. Uh, I want to say to you, uh, every church has a roster and I sometimes joke with staff that every roster should have one column and at the top of the column it's entitled Turning Up. And the name we put under Turning Up is Everyone. And then everyone gets a roster because everybody's on it and everybody's job is to turn up. Turning Up is a great way we can serve one another. Turning up is actually no joke at all. Uh, turning up is the most underestimated, undervalued act of service, I think. Because let's face it, it's super, super encouraging when people are there. And conversely, the opposite is true, isn't it? when people are not. Online ministry. This has a need. We've learned that through COVID. And Parish Council um, are still keen for us to continue this ministry. And I want to say uh, we love you and we are happy to serve. We know there's a need. But the downside is that it, we've created a soft option. We've inadvertently made it easier for people to opt out of being in church. And that is not our intention. And so as you're hearing me, I want you to please check your heart and take the encouragement. Uh, this is second best. Absolutely. There's a song I heard as a teenager by Keith Green that has stayed with me. I want to share uh, some of the lyrics. It is a song, it's a bit pokey. It, he attacks the hypocrisy in the church. The song is called Asleep in the Light. And if copyright wasn't a thing, I'd play you the whole thing. But part of the lyrics go like this. The world is sleeping in the dark that the church just can't fight because it's asleep in the light. How can you be so dead when you've been so well fed? Jesus rose from the grave and you, you can't even get out of bed. Oh, Jesus rose from the dead. Come on, 
get out of your bed. I've never forgotten that. Our collective need is for people to recognise the ministry that we serve each other, just even the most basic way of turning up and creating this being, this physical community that Christ calls us to be. It's not only about encouraging one another. We must remember it is a vital part of our witness, that it speaks volumes to our broader community. All right, Mark chapter 8. We've read this. Uh, Jesus called the crowd to him along with disciples. He said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up the cross, follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? (gasps) No good. Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Nothing. If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. What must we do? Deny oneself, take up the cross and follow Jesus. What does it mean to take up my cross? Does it mean, oh, we've all got a cross to bear and for Adam it was having four sisters? Is is that right? No, that's not right. But you've heard that before, right? Um, This isn't about even carrying your own sin like we can. That's not possible. Remember Jesus said, Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Right? So what is the deal? What is this cross that I'm to bear? It's not the one Jesus is talking about in Matthew eleven twenty eight. What's the deal here? Well, think the cross was an instrument of public, violent and painful execution used by the Romans. You know that. And to take the cross was to carry the horizontal beam out to the side of execution, past the spectators, past the jeering mob who are booing and hissing at you because you're condemned by them. In very strong terms, Jesus describes what all true disciples must be ready for. If they follow him, you need to be ready to face condemnation that he faced and scorn that he faced from the world, including death. For they must follow to the cross. This is what it will cost. The cross you bear then is the world's condemnation of you as you follow Christ and go the way of the cross. That's what I think it is. Serving Jesus is contrasted with serving the world. Jesus is saying, don't choose the world. Yeah, it's going to cost you in this life, but choose me and life 
is yours in the world to come. That's what he's saying. Lots of people say they're Christian. Jesus says the path of the Christian is to follow him in the way of the cross. So will you? Are you? Are you doing it for the sake of the gospel? Will you do it for your sake of the body and for the sake of our witness? Are you following Jesus? Are you counting the cost? Are you going the way of the cross? Are you denying yourself for the sake of others? Denying your time and energy and treasure? They're all costs. But as the world applies pressure, that's a cost too. And it might be shame and it might be humiliation. And for some, it will even mean death. Are you serving him as his people for his glory? Because Jesus is coming back. Let us not be ashamed of him. Ephesians 5. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Brothers and sisters, let us be growing in Christ with our Bibles open, prayerfully, as we serve one another, as Jesus first served us and loved us. And as we do that, may God be praised. Amen.
spent time in the ministry of God's word that is our first core value biblical teaching and now we get to exercise our second core value as we come together and pray uh, in a moment there will be a blue screen with prayer points on it or maybe as you gather as a church family somewhere else you have your own prayer points the encouragement is don't not pray uh, make sure you do return thanks to God Consider what we've shared. Pray with our Bibles open. Take the encouragements that we've been reminded of this morning, uh, today from Philippians, especially chapter 2. As Paul applies, uh, Christ becomes nothing. Therefore, go and do like, be like this. Have Christ's mindset. Consider others better than yourselves. Pray to that end. Ask for the Lord's help and um, ask that he bless, bless our ministry. Uh, that we all share together. Of course, praying is an act of service, and so please um, remember those near and dear to us, the infirmed, uh, the sick. Um, please pray for Belinda. Um, you can thank God for her faithful witness through a time of great adversity. Um, she's a great encouragement to her brothers and sisters here. Um, so please do that. Uh, we get to serve our missionaries by praying for them as they take the gospel out to the ends of the earth. And so whoever your partner missionaries are, please pray for them. For us in Inverell, we remember Andy and Margie and Gil and Ruth as well. Uh, we remember our partnership with BCA as well as Compassion and Open Doors. Uh, please bring them all to the throne of grace and petition God with all those needs.
Another way we pray is through song. And so let's come before God with these words of praise.
Let me close with these words of great instruction and encouragement from Ephesians chapter 5. Follow God's example. Therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Amen.